Well, we're going to uh, be in Hebrews again today, chapter 10. We've been working our way uh, systematically through the book of Hebrews, and um, we are to a, a point in Hebrews here where where um, there's a, some, some matters of application being presented to, um, to the people. And so Hebrews, just a little recap, Hebrews is uh, written um, primarily with believers in mind. Um, a group of believers who are um, themselves having need of uh, persevering. And going through trials, going through sufferings of different types, and needed encouragement, and just that spurring on to persevere um, in their faith in Christ, in their hope in in the promises of God, and uh, and also as we're going to see here today, um, in their fellowship with one another, that they are mutually encouraging one another. And uh, the, the themes of Hebrews are, are these that we've looked at, and there, there are several things that you can find as patterns through Hebrews, but the two that really, I think, stand out the most are, one, that, that Christ is supreme over, over all, and that his sacrifice is sufficient for us to make us right in the eyes of God. And the second thing is, because of that, Believers need to persevere this side of heaven until the Lord brings us home. And um, so uh, with that in mind, we're going to look at our passage today um, in Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse, I'm going to read verses 19 through 25. We're actually going to focus in on uh, the last couple verses of our passage here, but um, you can follow along with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Father, we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, who is, is present in every believer here that, to teach us and to train us to, Lord, give us understanding and wisdom to help us understand what it is that you reveal to us through your word. Uh, Lord, that we would know you more fully and, and worship you um, for who you are. Lord, we ask that our hearts, our souls, our minds today would be a fertile soil for the seed of your word to be planted within us. Uh, Lord, not only within us as individuals, but within us as the congregation of believers here before you today. That, Lord, it would grow to produce the fruit of Christ's likeness. That together, we would reflect the glory of God 
and together that we would live out lives uh, in a way that, that shine the, the testimony of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And um, Lord, we, we just ask for your help this morning that, that you would continue to grow our understanding um, at, a, at a heart and soul level, not just our mind. Uh, Lord, and that you would help us to be not only hearers of your word, but doers of it. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at our passage today, there are three... Okay, I can't resist it. Last week I resisted the pun, but there are three leaves of lettuce in this passage, okay? If that helps you remember it, then so be it. Uh, Let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works. So those are our three applications presented to us here in Hebrews. Having built now, having laid a foundation, I mean, consider that we are... We are in chapter 10. Now, when this letter was written, it would not have been broken up into chapters and verses. It would have just been read straight through. Um, But keep in mind that now having been broken up into chapter and verse, we are in chapter 10. We are in the last half of chapter 10. And there are only 13 chapters in Hebrews. So the first uh, nine and a half chapters were laying a foundation for us to understand how now to live. So that's quite a foundation. Now if you know uh, anything about, uh, about building anything, especially a, a fixed structure like a home, um, a foundation is critically important. If you had to pick one place to really uh, put the bulk of your emphasis... It, it, is, it is recommended that you make sure to put it in the foundation. Everything else from there up can be altered and repaired if need be. But once the foundation has been laid incorrectly, it's a matter of starting over pretty much at that point if it's not laid well. And Hebrews here has laid a foundation for us to build upon that is that like what Jesus said to build upon, the rock, not the sand that shifts around. But we are building upon something solid and firm, something trustworthy, something that is permanently reliable, something that is unfailing. It is not just that the Word of God is not likely to fail, it is that it is unable to fail. Because God never fails. And these are His words to us. And we have nine and a half chapters of Hebrews here laying a foundation for us to, to help us understand that, that uh, there are two things that really um, uh, are pointed out here in our passage at the beginning. Brothers, We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now that's one of the that's one of the points that is one one of the foundations that have been laid over the last nine and a half chapters is we have confidence to enter into the presence of God. 
Where does that confidence come from? Well, it certainly doesn't come from arrogance, and it certainly doesn't come from a confidence in ourselves having done something. Right? The whole, the whole point up to this uh, of Hebrews here is not that we can do anything to make ourselves presentable to God, to make ourselves acceptable to God, but that it was solely through the blood sacrifice of Christ that we are made presentable to God. Whereby those who, who believe in Jesus Christ as being sufficient for, for, for the forgiveness of our sins, those people who believe in Him are made right in the eyes of God, not based on what they do, but based on who Jesus is and what He has done. So we have confidence, rather than fear, to draw near to God. Because of what Christ has done for us. And it says and adds on top of that, that we have a great priest over the house of God. That is that Christ is our heavenly advocate, and our earthly help. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And there are two ways in which that is playing out right now. One is that He will never leave us nor forsake us in heaven. That is that we are always represented by Him in heaven. That He is your advocate in heaven to make sure that you who believe in Him have a heavenly destination that is secure. And secondly, the way that plays out, that I will never leave you nor forsake you, is that He will never leave us nor forsake us this side of heaven. That we have the presence of God in us and with us always as believers in Jesus Christ. And so, having all of that, Laid for, lay, that foundation laid for us. Now he says, draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. And let us hold fast our confession of the hope we have in Christ. And the last one we're going to look at today is let us consider how to stir up one another towards love and good works. Now, all of these are facets of us persevering. In fact, if you were to, to skip ahead there uh, later on in, in chapter 10, uh, it's emphasized a couple of times towards the end of the chapter of us enduring and persevering as believers. And each of these three applications uh, are very important components of us persevering and enduring. One, drawing near to God. Two, holding fast to the confession that we have made in Christ Jesus and not altering from that. And three, together, working together to encourage one another along the way. God gave us the family of God. He brought us into His family as His children and now has given us, adopted us into His family. So we're not we're not on our own. We, we, are not, uh, we are not living as orphans, but as members of a family that God has given us, that we help one another, that we have a responsibility to one another. It, it has been a great disservice to the kingdom of God 
to teach and train Christians that gathering for worship is about what they get out of the experience. That is a very toddler perspective of the body of Christ. We are not children. Well, some of you are children. Most of us are not children. And so we ought not to have a childlike perspective of what God has called us to. As adults, one of the beautiful things that I was just uh, soaking up here as we were singing together is watching what was going on up here on stage. One generation training the next. Showing up here to gather for worship, not to, not, not to stand up here as Earl did. and uh, not, Earl wasn't up here leading us in worship because it's what, about what Earl gets out of it. But if you noticed, one, he's leading us in worship. That bringing us together to worship our Savior, our Lord, our King. But there was something else going on up here too. He had a couple of boys up here that were seeing Daddy do that. They were learning. They were being trained. We had Becca jumping in and Bailey and Christopher, the next generation of those who are going to be leading the body of Christ. Learning how to lead the body of Christ. That's not a childlike perspective of what it means to gather for worship. That is a mature perspective being exhibited to us. And so the author says, let us consider then how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. To consider here, we had this word used earlier in Hebrews in chapter 3 when it tells believers to consider Jesus. To consider Jesus, that in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your suffering, if you are going to persevere, one of the most foundational things you can do to persevere is to behold Christ. To consider the work of Christ that He has done to save you and bring you into the kingdom of heaven, and to consider the example of Christ, what He endured and persevered, so that we too may persevere like Him. Here, this term consider is how to stir up one another. The, the term actually, the word actually is, uh, could be translated provoke. Now when we use the word provoke, we often think of it in a negative way, right? Like how to, how to provoke your, uh, provoke maybe a response in someone to get them upset, like, you know, to push your sibling or your spouse's buttons. That kind of provoking. But here, it is to provoke in a, in a very positive way, out of love and consideration for one another. But the emphasis actually of, of verse 24, let us consider how to stir up or provoke one another, the emphasis isn't on the provoking or the stirring up, the emphasis is on the one another. So let us consider one another and how to 
stir each other up. So the emphasis isn't on the provoking or the stirring up, but rather on the one another. The, the, that, that promotion of one another in our own heart and in our own mind, in the body of Christ, and our life together in the body of Christ. This, this type of consideration, it's, it's to fix one's mind upon something. Um, it, is, uh, it, it, is, it is a purposeful, intentional mind and heart engaged um, thing that we do. But it is not separate from the action we take. It is a, a setting our mind upon something and then following through with an action so when we consider Jesus, it's not just thinking deeply uh, on him and his sacrifice and his example for us in chapter 3, but it is thinking deeply on it, and then it is living out a life that is built upon that consideration of who Jesus is and what he's done. So that likewise here, it is not just considering Hmm, you know, like a big brainstorming session. What are the ways that I could encourage others? That's cool. I have my list now. But rather to, to think intentionally and then take a resulting action to make it happen. Being a Christian is not an exercise only of the mind. It is not just giving... Um, some consideration to uh, that Jesus died and kind of label that as fact in your head and, and that he was a sacrifice and that he rose again. But it is placing your faith in that, in that confession. Which means that that affects every part of who you are. This consideration that we're being called to here of stirring up one another is for the benefit of one another. Now there's a benefit to ourselves in that, built into that. But, you know, um, when the scriptures talk to us about, I'm going to use marriage as an example, um, it calls husbands and wives each to care for the other. To lay their lives down for the other. It doesn't, it doesn't say, husbands, uh, here's, how to, here's how to get the most out of your marriage. Here's how to be the most satisfied you can be out of your marriage. Wives, here's, here's how to get everything you want out of marriage. It rather says, lay your life down for the other. The ironic thing is, if we live that out, what we find is that, well, what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that the key to a successful godly marriage is not you're seeking your personal happiness or well-being or comfort or satisfaction, but it is seeking the well-being of your spouse. And in that, you find the fulfillment for yourself. But it's not about that. Such it is with the body of Christ. 
Spiritual gifts, for instance, are presented to us in the body of Christ in Scripture not for our personal edification, not for our personal building up, not so that I feel special in the kingdom of God, but so that I can use it to glorify God as I help you in the kingdom of God. So spiritual gifts are presented to us in the context of this is for the rest of the body of Christ. God giving you a giftedness so that the rest of the body of Christ can benefit from that. And so we have this, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And it's sandwiched between the first... uh, Uh, I guess this goes without saying. It's sandwiched between the verses before it and the verse after it. (laughs) Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant observation, Todd. What I mean by that is this. It's sandwiched between we have confidence to enter the holy places because of the blood of Christ and we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who is our heavenly advocate and earthly help. And then it's sandwiched on the other side with And do this all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's sandwiched between the finished work of Christ and the hope of heaven. The hope of His return. And so behind us we have, here is what Christ has already done. You stand secure as children of God, destined for heaven because of your faith in Christ. And then on the other side, looking forward to the hope that we have in Christ. That Christ is going to return. That the trials and the sufferings that the Hebrews are experiencing here are temporary. And there is a rest coming. Hebrews talks about that rest. That rest from, from that, the weariness that, that is a result of the trials and the sufferings and the enduring and the persevering, that there's a type of weariness of the soul that we experience this side of heaven because there is a constant spiritual battle going on of which we are part of. And that battle keeps going until we enter into the rest of God where we get to rest from that battle having fought the good fight, having finished the race, that we now get to step into the rest that God has prepared for us. So we are called to then consider how we stir one another up in love and good works. This one another here specifically is speaking not just generally about the world around you, but specifically about the body of Christ, fellow believers. And I would argue that uh, while this applies broadly, how you may stir up the body of Christ across the globe, I would argue that primarily what Hebrews is speaking to here is the local assembly or congregation of believers that you find yourself in community with. How to stir these people up that you in flesh and blood interact with each day or weekly or monthly or whatever in your community. That there are believers right here 
gather together and other believers that perhaps are gathering at other places but who live in our community, we are the body of Christ here in Harrison and in this area. We are the representation of Christ, the family of God, joined together by our faith in Christ, God having adopted us into His family. We are part of His family now, siblings in Christ. Siblings have a responsibility towards one another. Siblings have a commitment to one another. So that the body of Christ and gathering for worship is not about what we get out of it. You will get something out of it. You will benefit from it personally, but that's not what our gatherings are about primarily. You know, Hebrews early on called believers to go on to maturity in their faith. And this is one, me- this is one mark of that grow- going on to maturity. It is that we stop seeing um, worship and, and, and worship services and Bible studies and things like that from the perspective of what am I going to get out of this? And we begin to see it as an opportunity to help others along in their walk with Christ so that they persevere. So let us consider how to stir our fellow believers up towards love and good works. I would suggest to you, just by way of practical application, that you begin with those connections that are closest to you, most intimate. Um, So for me, in my context, it begins at home with my wife and my children. That is the place that this starts for me. And then it works outward from there um, in the circles of influence that I'm in in the body of Christ. Until we get to, ultimately, our goal is to help everyone in the local congregation along in the faith. So that none of us lose heart. So that none of us fall away. So, to accomplish this, there's one really important thing that Hebrews tells us we need to keep doing. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works by having a really great social media presence. (laughs) Yeah, that's not what it says, is it? It says by meeting together. Flesh and blood. Um, it is one of my uh, it is one of my great regrets that um, that I was part of the decision making to not meet together during the COVID shutdown. It's one of my deep regrets. And that will not happen again. The body of Christ is called to meet together. And we understand that there are times and situations where some people are not able to physically gather with us. And, and so, as the body of Christ, we still look towards the well-being of our siblings in Christ by considering how do we continue to stir 
up them and one another towards love and good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The call of Hebrews is not so much to you personally to figure out what those good works are for yourself, but for you to help others figure out what those good works are in their life and to fulfill those. Not as a busybody, not as a nosy person just being concerned about everyone else and bossing them around and telling them what to do, but rather out of just a love and concern for them that as you are plodding along trying to live this out yourself, that you are applying yourself to helping others to fan the flame of God within others to spur them on as they try to live this out as well. What is the habit of your life as it relates to meeting together with other believers? Hebrews says that there are some who have made a habit out of not gathering together with the body of Christ. And this is a detriment not only to themselves, but also to the body of Christ. See, if we are the family of God and we are siblings, and we, that means we have responsibility to one another, when we don't participate in the meeting together of the body of Christ, we are doing two things. One, we are putting ourselves at risk for falling away, which is what Hebrews is warning against. And this falling away happens slowly, typically not all at once, but rather over time we drift from, from God. So the two things that happen then when we don't have a habit of meeting together physically with other believers for the sake, I will say, not just of getting together and hanging out, but for the sake of spurring one another on, worshiping together, praying together, serving together, learning and growing together through His Word, that when we don't do that, have a habit of that, we are not only putting ourselves at risk, but we are robbing the body of Christ of more encouragement which they need. I mean, I think just here this morning, um, and I'll probably miss somebody, but I just like quickly jotted down here some folks that I know have given of themselves this morning for collectively our benefit that we would be spurred on towards love and good works here today think of mike and ryan back there that come early and make sure the sound and the screen and all that stuff is working as good as we can get it to work they're here faithfully doing that so that you can hear what's being spoken so that you can participate fully in what's going on as we sing together and pray together and the Word of God is taught. Think of Earl up here leading worship and Bailey and Christopher and uh, and Becca jumping in there to help out. 
And I think of Susie just faithfully just teaching kids the Word of God. Think of Randy Saunders this morning teaching the adult class, um, Bible class, as he faithfully just handles the Word of God and presents it and discusses it. Think of, uh, think of Jan Jacobson being available to help out with, uh, and Roz, helping out with um, Sunday school for the kids so that they hear the Word of God. And learn what it means to follow him. Think of Holly who shows up and just does things quietly um, and sort of under the radar most of the time. But make sure that you have things like bulletins. And that things like the, the finances of the church are in order. And so many other communications things to help keep you in the loops. To know what opportunities you have to plug into the body of Christ and serve. Think of Randy Jean Blanc coming to ring the bell to let everybody know, hey, we're gathering to worship the name of Jesus Christ. Think of Cheryl being available just to greet people as they come in. Just another thing to just help spur on you towards love and good works. And so we gather together for the benefit of one another. This is really important, church. Um, I'm getting a little preachy, but I guess that's my job right now. But the world is going to tell you that it is all about you. And I'm here to tell you that Scripture says it is not about you. Now, God came to rescue you, and, and he calls you to faith, but it's not all about your personal satisfaction and happiness. It is that God is glorified above all things and through all things. And at the end of the day, the name of our Lord is the one that is held up high. That when any of us uh, draw our last breath, none of our headstones are going up here on the wall with our name on it. This cross is the only thing going to be up here to point us to the name of Christ. And so we, we are called to live differently than the world. To live set apart for the kingdom of God. Which means we need to operate differently than the world. Not for the sake of operating differently than the world, but for the sake of operating like, well, like a Christian. Like a follower of Christ. Like one who belongs to the family of God. And that means that we first are considering how do we help one another along in this. That we have the humility of Christ from Philippians chapter 2 where we are not considering what am I going to get out of this? But how do I help? How, how do I humbly help others along in their walk with Christ? To further them on. To fan the flame that God has begun in them. The day of Christ is coming. When it says we see the day drawing near there, encouraging one another, 
all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day that it speaks of here represents a couple of things. For unbelievers, it represents the day of judgment. God's judgment is, is, it is on its way against all ungodliness and sin. That all those who reject Christ will receive eternal judgment from God. But for those who have confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, the day represents the day of the return of the King. The day of the fulfillment of the promises made by God. The day of entering into the rest that He has prepared for you. The day of entering into the uninhibited joy and peace of our great God. Now I want to ask you today, what are you doing to stir up others towards love and good works? It's going to look different for each of us. I mean, I, I just gave several examples of folks here today that it looks different for each of them, the roles that they're serving to promote love and good works in your life. What are you doing to stir others up towards love and good works? You know, I think as I think this through, I think this is really gets at the essence of what it is to disciple believers, disciple others. It is not approaching others as in, what's wrong with you and I'm going to fix it. But rather, how do I fan the flame that God has begun in this person? How do I spur them on to the fulfillment of how God has made them and the gifts that he has imparted to them. How do we do that, church? How do you specifically do that? This this is our call one to another, and it should serve probably for a lot of us, including myself, it serves kind of in two capacities. One, as a Really great encouragement that we as the body of Christ are going to persevere together. That when the scriptures here tell us to persevere in our walk with Christ until he returns, it's not saying that we are to do so on our own, but rather that we do so together with the benefit of his family. But it also serves a little bit as a kick in the pants that I strongly consider for myself, what am I doing to stir others up towards love and good works? Am I doing that faithfully? Am I doing that in a way that reflects the true calling that God has for me? I see, I see a number of you really considering how to, how to do this. And doing it well. Keep up the good work. Keep considering. Keep trying to figure out how do you fan that flame in others. How do you help each one live up to the full potential that you have in the body of Christ for the glory of God. And there are probably some of you who have been largely sitting on the sidelines. 
and not really considering how to stir others up, but more considering what you're going to get out of it. And I just want to strongly exhort you today that God has called you to something much, much more satisfying, much more purposeful, and much more glorifying to Him. And has invited you to participate in that. That you are not just a recipient of the good things of the body of Christ. But that you are also a contributor to the good things of the body of Christ. That each one of us, when we enter the rest of God. That we may actually hear the words, well done. you've not placed your faith in Christ then the scriptures say that you are not a member of the family of God in fact John chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 or 12 and 13 says that those who believe in him he gave the right to become children of God which means if you haven't believed in him you haven't placed your faith in Christ you are not a member of the family of God and if you are not a member of the family of God then Christ's sacrifice has not been applied to your life and you stand a sinner before a holy and righteous God and you will receive his eternal judgment. If you think I'm just trying to scare you, you're right. That it is a fearful thing to stand in the way of God's approaching judgment. But he has given you his son to escape that judgment if you will receive him by faith. And he makes you, he adopts you into his family and gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit that you are always, he is always in your presence. And you can do that today by telling him that you don't want to go your way anymore, that you want to submit your life to him and trust him for the rest of your days. To have him teach you a new way. To have him give you life in your soul. The only the way that God can give. And to give you the hope of eternal life. And that comes through confessing your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for the body of Christ. Lord, you're, uh, we, re- we readily recognize, Lord, that none of us are, are perfect or have it all figured out. That is part of the beauty of the body of Christ. That your grace and your spirit are sufficient to, to bring us together in the unity of Christ, in the bond of peace, and to help us stir each other up towards the love and good works that you have prepared for us. Even since before the world began, that you have had good works for us to do on your behalf to glorify your name. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to live this out together. To be considering how to stir each other up. Lord, empower us with your spirit. Give us your wisdom and insight and plant within us the love of Christ that, that, it, that we would just be overflowing 
that we would be used by you for the benefit of those around us here today. That we would fan the flame of God within each one. That we would encourage. That we would exhort. That we would help each other to, to just live fully in this life that you have called us to. Lord, I just pray for, for us to be faithful to you. for you to be glorified through us, that your name would be declared. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to leave you with uh, just what Hebrews chapter 10 says. But I also want to make clear, I, I just, I, I don't, I hope I don't miscommunicate that as I give this exhortation to, um, to consider how to stir up one another towards love and good works, that I don't personally have any expectation that you need to sign up for anything. My expectation is that you before God consider these things and that you respond faithfully and obedient to where he leads you. And I'm, I, keep no, I, I keep no grades. That's between you and God. I'm just calling you to walk faithfully with him and to respond to what he's leading you to do with obedience. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Lord, bless and keep you, and by His grace we'll live this out.